Hey guys, and welcome back to another series of the boring shit you need to know in business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'm excited because this series, there's going to be more topics, more conversation, and some amazing business owners to share this time with. So let's jump in. Hey there. Today, I'm back here to talk about the dreaded debt or the word debt and what it means in business. It's one of those aspects of business that most of us don't like to talk about, but it's actually necessary to talk about. I want to start this conversation reminding you that we often enter into some sort of debt arrangement as a means to an end, as a positive means to an end. It's not always a bad thing when we handle it correctly. What do I mean by that? Debt can facilitate change, good change in our business. It can provide us with opportunities to grow, to employ people, to create new products, to purchase new equipment, to buy new stock. But for some reason, debt always gets a bad rap. But it only gets a bad rap, if you think about it, when it's mismanaged. You see, it's not the debt that's the problem. It's how we respect the debt arrangement or whether we even respect the debt arrangement that can turn the situation from something positive into something really, really horrible. Let's take it back. We use debt as a means of getting to the next step in our businesses, whether it be purchasing stock so we can sell more, improve our cash flow to then purchase more stock and so on and so on. This is actually a really good thing in our businesses, but I find all too often the debt gets out of control when the terms of the arrangement are mismanaged or horrifyingly enough, they're simply ignored. There's almost an entitlement in this process when it gets to this stage. And here's what baffles me because as small business owners, and we all know how hard it is to get funding as small business owners, the the hoops we have to jump through. We fight so hard to fill out loads of extra paperwork. We feel like we sell our souls to get the funds. And then we get to a point only to forget that the obligation requires that same gumption, that same effort to repay it. Getting access to finance or financial instruments in any way should be treated fairly. It's a two-way street. It's the business of using money after all. It's somebody else's business as well. Those banks and financial institutions, they're businesses as well. And we need to not forget that. I'm not on either side here. I'm just saying that it's it's a business transaction. So it should be made a priority when you're thinking about the repayments and how to allocate your cash. It should certainly never, ever just be ignored, forgotten, second rate to the day-to-day stuff. The mental dance that I know many business owners do when they're thinking about their cash allocation, it's tiring and scary, but it must be met with the strength and logic to ensure that these types of things don't get away from you. Because this mental toll, it's real. And it can take a nasty turn for business owners. I've seen it. I've, I've had the conversations. And the more you allow it to control you, the worse off you're going to be. Let's think about it. It's, it's so easy for us to just pay off everyday bills with the cash that we have, for example, than to think about the ATO debt that's coming up. Because the ATO don't need that money just yet. So what if I just quickly use it? to pay these everyday debts 
and I'll just put it back. I'll just, the minute I get paid again, I'll just put it back. Ever been in that situation? I bet you a lot of people have. But you'll find yourself consistently wondering why all of a sudden your ATO debt blows out and it becomes unmanageable and you're looking for some sort of payment system from them and you meant to get back to it and you meant to put money in, but it just never worked. So who do we blame in those situations? And let's be honest. Let's be really, really honest at this point. Who do we go and blame? We blame the system for whatever this system is, for having too many taxes that we need to deal with as business owners. It's just too high. Taxes too high. It's too complicated. Shouldn't even be there. You know, I've got all these ATO obligations and, you know, I just can't seem to get on top of them. But wow, let's get real. We honestly have no one else to blame in this situation but ourselves. We know the deal when we enter into a business. We know the deal when we register our business for GST. We know the deal that there will be business taxes to be paid or obligations that need to be financed. We know it. And we also know the obligations when you take out a loan. So why do we continue to make excuses? Why aren't we getting real about it and making it a priority? This is where getting yourself some really good habits to help you facilitate this type of aspect of your business or this type of process or strategy in your business to provide relief of that constant money strain that you're feeling. Getting some good habits in place is what's going to help. So here's here's a couple of things that you can do. When thinking about a new loan, for example, we need to understand the terms being offered. When you're talking or thinking about a new loan, which will create a financial obligation, really delve deep to understand what those terms and conditions will mean to you and your business. You should set out to know your limit and be real about whether or not the detail of the financial obligation terms are going to work for you. It's one thing to just want it, but it's another thing to really be honest with yourself about whether or not it's going to work. You need to understand when making this decision that it it may not be the only way to get cash or to help fund what it is that you want to do with that money. So don't ever feel locked in. And I always say that if you're second guessing the choice, you're probably best to walk away from the deal and look for one that does suit. Unfortunately, the worst deals are made when business owners feel like their backs up are against the wall and they just want to get it done. And quite often that's when we go looking for financial help is that we just think we need to do this. So how do I get that across the line? They just want to get it done. But I I can't stress enough how important it is to take a moment. It may just save you in the long run. And I'm not just talking about saving you money. Heartache comes at a real cost too when you're running a business. So perhaps even go to someone else that you trust as a sounding board and present your thoughts to them. Present the debt terms and see what they think. They may offer a different perspective on it. So know your limits. Know what's important to your business. I remember with COVID last year when the government in Australia offered small business loans of up to $250,000. A lot of people saw that as a real opportunity to just get cash into their business. Some business owners didn't even think whether or not they needed it. They just wanted to jump on the opportunity in the event that they were going to need it. 
But now people are stuck repaying. Even though their repayments were put on hold for a while, they're now stuck repaying those loans. And many didn't think about the impact of that. They just thought of the there and now. In essence, it could have a bigger impact on them now than even just having the money available. So think about that. Another strategy could be to use different bank accounts for different debts or for different obligations in your business. And if done correctly, this can really, really work. I've worked with business owners, and this is no word of a lie. I've worked with business owners who have like 13 different bank accounts. And it's great. It works so amazing for them. So just put aside the notion that having too many bank accounts is really silly. It's actually only really silly if you choose accounts that cost too much to have, like through fees, for example. So when you're considering this type of strategy, always look for, always look for accounts or bank accounts that won't cost you anything or even those that may be interested in accounts. So when thinking about this particular strategy, I say that the clearer the intention for the account that you've set up, the easier it's going to be for you to manage. For example, the most common that I see is having a GST account. This is where you can, as a business owner, for example, get in the habit of moving the GST portion of any and all sales as soon as those funds are received. Or in the event that the volume of sales is quite high in your business, you could allocate 10% of total sales at the end of the week, for example, or even at the end of a day straight into that account. So you would be consistently, say you work in the service industry and you don't have many sales, but they're big sales. At every single time you get any cash into your business, just push 10% away into that account. It's a really good habit to get into. Or if you have, like I said, lots of sales, even if they're small sales, lots of sales, you give a, a time frame like a week. And at the end of every week, you get into a really good habit of saying 10% of everything that I got into my bank account this week, I'm going to sweep into my GST account. It's a really good strategy. Just adding 10%. We know what it is. We know that that's not our money. And if we remove it, prior to making financial decisions about our bank balance or our everyday bank balance, we're making pure decisions on the money that's ours. Because remember that GST that you get from or collect from your customer, you're collecting on behalf of the ATO. So it's not your money. Don't ever think that. A lot of small businesses went under when GST was introduced because they couldn't handle the extra 10% cash flow into their businesses. And in some cases, that extra 10% was a lot. And so there was that, that constant, if I just, I can use it now, I'll repay it back. Never ever happens. So if you can get into some really good habits, like setting up a GST account, sweeping over 10% of total sales every time you get money in or every week or at the end of every day, you're setting yourself up for success every single time. Just on that, in the event that you're finding it hard to pay your ATR obligations, I must say that it's always good to remember that you should, or it's a smart move, that you should always lodge your ATR obligations and then create a payment plan with them. Don't try and ignore it and hope that it go, goes away because doing that will only generate more costs in your business by way of penalties. 
And that's the last thing you want when you're trying to get on top of your cash and your debt is to create more. If you're finding that you're not going to be able to meet that ATO obligation, your best bet is to lodge anyway and set up a payment plan. And, you know, despite what a lot of people say, I think the ATO can be very, very reasonable at times. And if you're proactive enough to contact them to say, this is where I'm at, this is what I have, and this is how I can make sure this works, they're going to be very facilitating. But also be respectful of the fact that they may not be, they may not facilitate that for every time you have to make a payment. It's got to be a give and take. So this type of strategy will allow you, hopefully, to potentially next time be able to pay your debt, the next time after that, pay your debt. And then if you fall into some trouble again with paying your debt, you've got that flexibility and you've got that that credit behind you to say, I've been doing what I can, fell a bit short, can you help me out? And you'll find that they usually can. This type of strategy I find is always good, also good for the dreaded superannuation payments, which I know a lot of business owners find that they can get a little bit behind on. When making any payments of salary and wages, I would recommend that you allocate immediately the required funds to cover that amount of volume. And you're already going to have that because you would have calculated the wages, you know what they are. And if you do this at the time the wages are paid, again, you, you, you're you finding a smaller amount to be able to allocate rather than having to find a lump sum later down the track. It's easier to manage smaller amounts. We know that. So let's get into some really good habits of managing those smaller amounts out of our bank account into another bank account, for example, so that our everyday banking account, I can't stress enough, is clear of any obligations because we've allocated them. And what we're left with is what we can use. So have a think about that. It's tough to do, especially for superannuation and those sorts of things. But you have employees, that's your obligation. That's your debt. You need to be able to service it. So do it in a way that allows you to get on top of it early. Whilst I'm talking about superannuation, I often find that a lot of sole traders don't seem to pay themselves super. It's critical for you to get into the habit of doing this for yourself, for your long-term future. In the event of a sole trader, what I would recommend by starting to think about, if you can, is putting away something like 10% of any sale. So I know we're putting away 10% for, say, GST, if you're GST registered, regardless of whether you are or you aren't, maybe look at putting another 10% away of every sale into an account, even if it's into a bank account for now, for your superannuation at the time that your cash is received. Again, it allows our everyday banking account to start on a clean slate. Everything, all our obligations are being taken care of. And don't for one moment think that just because you're a sole trader and there's no technical obligation to pay yourself superannuation that you shouldn't or that it should be that last thing that you do when you've got money left over. Start to make it a priority. So I'd recommend if you can, Try putting away, say, 10%. So finding 10%, say, of $1,000 is easier to do when you've just received the $1,000 before you commit it to anything else. It's easier than trying to find, you know, a couple of hundred dollars or a couple of thousand dollars every quarter. But see it as a long-term strategy. See it as something that you really want to build in. You can even take this so far as to build 
that component into your pricing strategy, what you charge for your goods or services to ensure that you benefit from all the hard work you've put in to your business in retirement. Because you've still got to set that self that up for yourself. This strategy could also be good for individual loans that you have in your business. You can set one up for each loan repayment if you need to and have the loan come out of those accounts and just those accounts. It's not going to hurt, but it will only hurt when you stop committing to doing this type of process. But the commitment, this is, again, this is where the gap is for me. The commitment has to be there because you committed to the obligation in the beginning. So commit to the process of getting it paid and ensure that you commit to the funds immediately when they're available so that you have them ready when the obligation falls due. Don't make it an afterthought. Make it a priority. It has to be because you've got that obligation. You can have these accounts for other costs too, things like insurances if they're being paid annually. Even if they're not, you can still have those costs set up in a separate bank account so you've got full visibility. This is my insurance. This could be my... uh, Business insurance could be my professional indemnity insurance. You could have an account for each of them if you wanted to. If you had annual fees for subscriptions of any sort or other annual fees in your business, payroll is another one. Commit to it. Know that you've got it. If, you've, if you're running a service firm, especially if you've already charged out hours, when you receive that money in, put the money away for the people you have to pay as a result of doing that work. The list goes on but it keeps it clear it keeps it organized it's a really great strategy for any debt and to take away that stigma attached with debt it's just another process another suggestion i would make and again i know you know this is coming is get visibility over your cash movements through a cash flow strategy this will help you understand each of those obligations that we talked about whether it be loans whether it be ato payments if you can plot them into a cash flow strategy they're there for the taking you've seen them you know they're coming or you understand the obligations and you can ensure that they're being considered when you're thinking about the distribution of any cash that's being allocated out. You can use a good cash flow for forecasting out sales as well and seeing how those forecasts fare against your outflows of cash to know have I forecasted correctly with my sales to be able to facilitate any outflows of obligations that I have. And knowing this type of information could lend support to other areas of your business like your marketing strategy or your discounting strategy or your costing strategies because knowing what you need from your sales and how you can get them you can then mold those strategies around being able to achieve that it's a win-win really another thing to remember when we're talking about cash flow is bad cash flow or bad recovery of cash strategies is a red flag to any lender So in the event that you're looking for financing options in the long term, you need to keep that in mind. If they consistently see that you cannot facilitate the repayments of your obligations or you're finding it difficult to recover cash in certain circumstances or a lot of your clients aren't paying for whatever reason, that's going to be a red flag and you're going to limit your financing options later on. And we know as small business owners, sometimes it can take a long period of financial information for a lending a lending institution to even consider us for loaning money. 
So have a think about what damage you're doing now in terms of your strategies for your long term. I want to round this conversation up with a reminder that the debt strategies when handled respectfully are a really great way to manage growth in your businesses. They're a great way to provide consistent cash flow to assist in purchasing new equipment. They're an overall great strategy for business. So don't be afraid of the debt. Just be smart about the way you deal with it. And then you'll find you won't have any issues. But also think about when you're entering into some sort of obligation, like some sort of debt, that you're doing it for a reason. If you're doing it to grow your business or to reinvest in stock, which are all viable strategies, make sure the return on that investment through cash flow and being able to facilitate the repayment of that obligation is top of mind for you when you're measuring the success of your choice. Were you able to use the funds or use the debt to facilitate the purchase of extra stock, to sell the extra stock, to bring cash back into your business to reinvest? And in reinvesting, pay off your obligation first and then use what's left over to replenish your business again. Did that strategy work? If you're finding that you're constantly behind the eight ball, the strategy didn't work. If you can't continue to reinvest back into your business on a timely basis, then maybe there's a different strategy you need to be looking at rather than just getting more debt. Maybe the strategy needs to be how quickly am I moving my stock or how little am I moving of my stock? Do I have the right stock pieces to be able to move? Am I servicing my clients enough to be able to move that stock? There are so many questions around that combination. Don't always go straight to money because you'll continue to dig yourself a bigger hole. So consider the strategy in its entirety. Consider the outcomes of the strategy and don't be afraid of that debt. Manage it well. Manage it the way you intended to manage it when you went out to get it first and foremost. Don't just keep compounding your debt. Know that it works. Understand that there may be a time in that period that there's a teething time to make sure that the debt flows well, but also know your limits. Know when to call it and say that didn't work or it did work. I know it works. My business is becoming now self-funding as a result of me being able to use that platform and have those ca- that cash available to me. Great tick. I know how to do that in the future. So it's a real combination of everything that you need to consider. But how exciting is that though? If you really can can think about how to use debt and manage it well and use some of these strategies to manage it well, there'll be less sleepless nights. There'll be less wondering where your next paycheck's coming from. But know that every decision you make in your business should have a purpose and should have an outcome. And the outcome always leads back to cash. So make sure you're monitoring that success. And if you're not, get help with it. Get someone else to look at it. Don't keep digging a bigger hole. That's when it becomes unmanageable. That's when it becomes sleepless nights. And that's when you start to stress about it. So let's move into 2021 with some really great habits around managing our debt and being able to sleep better at night and and have better cash flow and be positive about the future. Let's use this as a way to do that. So I hope these tips have helped you in some shape or form. Until next time, whatever you're doing today, I hope you make it count. And that's it, guys, for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business. 
I'm Amy Pachada, and I'll see you next time.